0: ...is sponsored by Tom Toole Third. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or Beasley Media Group. Good afternoon, greater Philadelphia area. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah and She's Stacy Mitchell. And we've got a two-man film crew in here today because... We're just trying some stuff out. We got someone zooming in later about cryptocurrency, which we'll talk about. So um, again, we all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. And we are streaming live on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, just Google Tom Tool Sales Group. So ladies, how are you today? Happy uh, second week of January here. Yeah, doing good. Excellent. So let's get into the news. This was some pretty splashy stuff here that came out last week and- if you don't follow real estate, Ryan Gorman, the CEO of Realogy, um, and Realogy, to give some perspective, is the parent company for firms like Coldwell Banker or Century 21. Um, he came out last week and said that the National Association of Realtors should end the requirement that listing brokers have to offer a commission to Briars brokers in order to submit listings into the MLS this has been a hot topic for a while coming from a company whose clients are basically other real estate agents. What do you think about this?
1: Pretty controversial. That's for sure. So um, my first thought was then why would we have an MLS? Basically it would just turn into a free for all portal, right? Um, Because basically it's exclusive at this point. So if if you're not going to cooperate, then it just becomes, you know, open forum listings. Um, so the other problem I have with this is it's such a tough market right now for buyers anyway. It's so incredibly difficult. Um, you know, multiple offers, going over asking price, waiving inspections, things like that. If you're going to have to, as a buyer's agent representing the buyer's, um, and if they're on a very fixed budget in certain areas where there's not a whole lot of inventory to choose from to begin with, you're going to also be asking the buyers to pay for, you know, the buyer commission for representation. It could really exclude and knock a lot of potential buyers out of the market. And that's a real concern.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it opens the door for a lot of confusion. And if some, if some listings went there... Have the compensation others don't some say you know the sellers are covering it some say they're not like it just it it creates a lot of confusion and makes it difficult for i mean i don't know like filter wise i'm sure they'd have to set something up in there to you know filter these different ones out so that you would know as you're sending to them because this could affect price points like this could just really create a lot of confusion if it's you know it should either be one way or the other like it's it doesn't make any sense to do some in between
0: and what he said in the interview is that he wasn't saying ban it. He wanted it to make it optional. And, you know, what what, what he and I've seen Ryan Gorman speak before and he went out, he went further and said the best thing for a seller in every case that I can imagine, meaning him, is to offer compensation, compensation for the good work that buyers agents will do to bring a buyer in to facilitate the transaction. So it sounds like he's talking out of both sides of his mouth here very clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, my observation and and there's a bigger issue here to me. This is Realogy coming out and saying, hey, NAR, DOJ lawsuit, I support what's going on. We don't want to be part of a monopoly because if he's saying, well, they should pay for the good work, but it should be optional. Well, you know, an an agent could co-op a home at one dollar in the MLS right now. That sounds pretty optional to me. I mean, that that to me, Mm -hmm. I mean, I wouldn't be, be too excited. And. To your point, Stacy, all that does is it makes the MLS just another uh, another portal and it loses a, a lot of value where now there's rules and regulations that if a commission is being offered at least on our local MLS and Bright, the the buyer, the buyer's agent is entitled to that and they're accepting that. So knowing that's the case, I mean, do, do you envision other companies coming out and saying this? I mean, do you see other, you know, like uh, like a Remax or a Keller Williams or whomever come out and, and say that? And then we can talk about kind of the the. The, what that means for consumers and what it means for agents as well.
1: Well, I would hope that other um, companies would come out in support of keeping uh, <laughs> the MLS intact the way it is. That's what I'm hoping for. Right. And I mean, I think
2: like the, you know, there's, there's different sides to this, but in order for like the sales and the seller for this transaction to, to make it to the settlement table, you have to have a buyer. So by yeah especially as you already touched on Stacey, like in this market um it's already tough on buyers like mm-hmm. adding this additional piece in um you know it just i don't know i i don't like it <laughs>
0: well in, in in a lot of cases and and i want this to come off the right way when a seller's paying a commission i mean they, they don't actually like write that check like it's right. in an mm-hmm. asset that's a fixed a, that that's a it's a non-liquid asset That is appreciated over time. And certainly to your point, Sarah, I mean, right now, buyers, I mean, they've already got to waive inspections in a lot of cases, takes on a ton of risk. They have to make up appraisal gaps. So their lender's saying, hey, I'm only going to lend you X amount, even though you agreed to pay Y. And that can be in some cases, 20, 50, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then on top of that, now you got to pay your agent another commission, whatever that rate is, because we're not going to talk about specific rates here for a lot of reasons. This this is going to put a lot of pressure on buyers. And think about what's happening now, what we've been talking about for the past couple months. Rates are going up. So now it's more expensive to buy a home on a monthly payment. It's more expensive to buy the home from a cash out of pocket perspective. I What I find a hard time with is that this is the CEO of a company that employs real estate agents. So th- does he actually believe in the concept of realtors or is this just pandering for the DOJ?
2: Right. Well, and I mean, you could find yourself... Um, in a, a really unfortunate situation as a seller, if you ended up, if you were selling and buying and you got hit on both ends, meaning that you listed it on the MLS and put a buyer's agent compensation in there that you're paying. And then on the home that you go to buy, you find one that you really like, yada, yada. And it's not included in that. And then you find yourself having to pay for um for that that transaction as well. I mean, that's just unfortunate. <laughs>
1: That could be something I never thought of there. Mm-hmm.
0: So, why even say this, though? I mean, because he comes out later in the article and says, I think cooperation is extremely beneficial and has been unlocking home ownership for tens of millions of Americans for ensuring adequate representation and trusted advisors are working on both sides of the transactions. Then he says, I personally think the value is extremely high and there's not a need for a mandatory requirement but I understand the view that certain rules around cooperation can be really helpful for ensuring the market operates efficiently. And I appreciate the perspective. And then I personally think the value is extremely high and will continue to stay high. So, I I mean, is this even like an article? Like he's not saying anything here. I I don't, I don't understand the point of this other than pandering to the DOJ and maybe like, do you ever see when, when these companies start to get like, they get called in front of Congress and they have to testify, I mean, yeah. is is this where this is going? Because I, I kind of <laughs> wonder that because this article here makes literally no sense. It's like, well, I don't think it should be mandatory, but I agree with it in principle. Well, then it's either one or the other. And, you know, to me, that's for for the kind of agents that Realogy attracts. They're not getting discount agents. They're not a Redfin. They're right. not one of these one of these companies where it's a limited service brokerage. I know some really high performing agents that work in the high end in Beverly Hills and Hoboken, New Jersey, that work with Realogy companies. So I I just don't understand this.
1: Maybe he was just, uh, seeking some attention. It was just a way to, (laughs) you know, get people to pull, pull into this article and just to bring light to him and his firm. I mean, that could be people have motivation. They do things for different uh, motivations.
2: Right. Yeah. Cause I
1: mean, he's so back and forth.
2: And I mean, I felt like at one point in the article, um, he was saying something about this could protect, um, splits that aren't very fair to the buyer's agent. Well, how about like no split at all? Like, <laughs> exactly. you know, it's just, it's kind of all over the place.
0: Well, and that's another point too, because, you know, and, and we can talk about that in a second here, because there, there has been a trend that I've seen that listing agents tend to keep more of the commission or the sellers opt for the listing agents to keep more because whether we like it or not, and I've worked with buyers, you all have worked with buyers. Some of these people working with buyers are literally in the right place at the right time, catch a lead, and that person would have bought that home no matter who they talk to. Could have been Stacy and you could have been and that's a result of your hard work. could have been some agent who's out of the business now and mm-hmm. they happen to sell that one particular home no matter what. So you know my, my view is that it, I mean from the agent perspective, if you get the CEO of a major company coming out and saying this, if I was an agent, which I am, I'd be looking at how do I generate my own business? How do I work my sphere? How do I take listings at a high level? Because that gives you all the control when you're reliant on someone offering out the right commission or not. I mean, it's almost like when your client's interested in a for sale by owner and you're like, okay, now I got a deal. And you guys have both worked with Fisbos. I mean, it's mm-hmm. that, that's pretty challenging and there's no one on the other side. And then you're constantly having to justify your value, even though you're really doing the job of two agents, right. not one, because they don't have someone advising them. So uh, to me, this is really irresponsible, especially for you know the CEO of a publicly traded company.
2: Yeah, I mean, I agree.
0: So you want to hear some agent reaction from this? Yes, this is going to be the fun part, and then we can talk about what it means for the market. So a day after this was on January seventh, a day after Reology publicly called for NAR to end mandatory commission sharing, um, Rhode Island based broker owner Greg Dantis wrote, "Cooperation was the original premise of the MLS." Otherwise, it's a Porto, and that's Zillow's game, set, match. What do you think about uh, that reaction?
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty spot on for sure. Well, tell yeah. tell
0: us more. To why, why is it spot
1: on? Well, because then if if there's no compensation for buyers, um, they're going to just everybody's going to reach out to the listing agents directly. So, I mean, no compensation for the buyer's agent. I'm sorry, they everybody's going to reach out to the listing agent. This is definitely going to be really bad for buyers. If buyers are going to reach out to listing agents and get under contract, they don't have their own representation in essence. So, and this was the whole reason why there were class action lawsuits in the first place for representation for buyers, because they were getting, you know, (laughs) there was a lot of uh, nefarious things going on and buyers were getting hurt. So that's why you have to have representation if you're a buyer. You want your own representation, I should say. It's tough. I mean, it happens in some remote areas. There's definitely dual agency that goes on, um, mm-hmm. but this opens up the door for a lot of really bad things to happen. I think.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And to take a line from from Tom, I mean, as as we know, if you reach out directly to the listing agent, it's like working with your um, wife's or husband's divorce attorney. Reaching out to them, <laughs> you know, you have to you have to have somebody looking out for you and, um, advising you specifically.
0: Well, and, and I, 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 what I see happening here, and I, I love that because that's so true and everyone kind of laughs at that line, but I don't think anything sums it up any better than that. Cause I mean, I, I just, it's the complete opposite. And while some transactions go well, other transactions, like it, get, it gets pretty nasty with the people and, and they have all these preconceived notions and you know, they can, they, they say tell the buyer to stick it, you know, where, and all this other stuff. I mean, it, it, it gets off the rails pretty quick. So, I, I do agree with you there. Um, another agent from Illinois, Jeff, I'm going to probably butcher this guy's name, Jeff uh, Olikwer. He says, what Gorman is presenting is the worst of both worlds. It'll make it more confusing for the consumer. It'll make it more difficult for buyer broker representatives. Buyer brokers are already getting bad commission splits and they can not be negotiated by the buyer. What do you think there?
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, buyers, a lot of times are very confused about how the transactions work also. And we do, we come across buyers who reach out who want to talk to listing agents and they don't quite understand when we shed light on it and they get, they understand they don't want to hire their ex wife's divorce mm-hmm. attorney or whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> they understand how important it is because real estate transactions can go sideways very quickly. Um, so you do have to have somebody on your team, somebody on your side fighting for you. So yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's really, um, just presents a really bad situation all the way around right I mean I I completely agree it's taking two two
2: pieces that are not benefiting the buyer and and lumping them together there
0: and and that that's bit that's the reaction from a lot of people another agent came out and said asking the buyer to pay for buyer agents commission will make many buyers go directly to the listing agent and not use a buyer's agent mm-hmm. and that would eventually cause buyer agents to be non-existent and the MLS will be only a portal we've so kind of hit yeah. on that one. What do you see for the future of buyer agents here?
1: Well, if it goes away where it's not going to be, you know, a shared commission with the listing agent, then buyer's agent, uh, it's going to be really, really difficult. It it will. Um, I'm more concerned for the buyers out there. That's my concern, Um, especially, and I'll go back to, you know, people who are just, like, say you have a VA Loan. You, you're working with a buyer that's VA approved. It's 100 financing. They have just enough money for a down payment. You're going to ask them to pay the, you know, the buyer side commission. Also, it's it's just really really tough. It could change their whole price point. Um, they know the value of a buyer's agent to have that representation. But I I think for the buyer, it just creates a lot more confusion, a lot more stress. Uh, they're going to need a lot more money to get into a home.
2: Right. And I mean, I think ultimately. This is going to trickle down to affect the seller as well, who we've, you know, talked a lot about how for sale by owners, a lot of times initially they think, oh, well, I'm saving by doing it this way. I'm not paying, um, you know, these different commission splits and and I'm able to save that money. But what we're able to bring to the table by having them work with us is bring in qualified buyers and bring in um, a, smooth, a smooth transaction and, uh, you know, something that gets you to that settlement table. Um, And ultimately, they end up saving money by working with us and paying that commission. The same with, you know, if if you're not going to use a buyer's agent um, and people are just kind of coming in or going to the listing agent, I mean, I think that you're going to see a diluted pool of of buyers. You're going to have people that that don't have help going through this process. And if the ultimate goal is to get to that settlement table, you could have a lot of hiccups in the occur there where you would have been better off and had a smoother transaction had, you know, you just had the commission paid out to the buyer's agent.
0: So uh, knowing that's the case, and you bring up a really good point is that, you know, you, you get someone that goes directly to the listing agent, they may not know what goes on. Mm-hmm. So looking at this, I mean, and talking about some of these agents that have kind of fallen into these transactions, I mean, when when this moves forward, do you see like an increase in lawsuits? I mean, do, like, how, how do you see this playing out? Because we've already seen real order sue agents um, based on not getting the property. Now, whether that's going to go anywhere or not, I, you know, we, I, I think there's some question there. All it takes is one unhappy client. And right now there's a lot of people that are getting frustrated with the market. So do do you see if if something like this happens, would there be, would there be more of this going on? And the flip side is, I mean, what, what would, you know, what, what is it going to be like being a listing agent? Are you more vulnerable when you're having to deal with this? If they're going to just go around the buyer's agent altogether?
1: I guess it could uh, potentially, as a listing agent, open you up to, um, you know, potential lawsuits. <laughs> um, but I, I agree that I think there will be more lawsuits. Um, buyers, uh, buyers could hire attorneys to represent them. But again, it's more expense. So instead of getting a uh, buyer's agent to represent them and paying a commission, um, then they can ultimately have their own attorney. But again, it's very, very expensive. And it could just rack up to exorbitant costs for them. But if they don't and they just uh, agree to work with the listing agent, I do believe that opens up the area for lawsuits because they could it could be conceived that they uh, were built out of certain things. If they don't quite understand contracts, it's not explained to them properly. I, I just I think it's it creates a lot of issues. We don't even know. We can't even think about what it what it could do at this point. <laughs> I mean, I think the real winner here is going to be the attorneys because
2: they're either going to get they're right. going to get extra business either from people using their attorney to go through the process or when things don't go well, they're going to call their attorney and hire them that way. So <laughs> they might be the winner.
0: Well, what, what's kind of interesting you say about that is that, you know, every state is different. So let's just talk about Pennsylvania, because I know in, in New York, like you need you an, attorney. an attorney. Um yeah. mm-hmm. In Northern Jersey, you do. Southern Jersey, you don't. Uh, so every, every state kind of differs. Anytime I've had an attorney get involved in a real estate transaction, you know what's happened? Ooh. The deal died or it gets totally screwed up or they make some interpretation about the contract that's the exact opposite of the PAR guidelines. And the value of transacting in a, in a state like Pennsylvania is, like, I, I'm not an attorney. I know that agreement of sale backwards and forwards. I can mm-hmm. tell you anything about it right now on demand which both you guys have seen happen in real time, like yep. catching me with my kids screaming at me in the background. So uh, true. I, Look I at do line it. number 467.
2: That'll explain. <laughs> right.
0: You bring up a great point. Like, it's I true. mean, I think this is a big win for attorneys. If that mm-hmm. happens, I mean, uh, just imagine, cause they're going to be the ones that, but like, think about it from another level. If a buyer insists on getting an attorney, is that going to hurt their chances of getting the house? Because they move so slow. Right. True. I mean, these, these negotiations happen in like, Sometimes minutes, you have hours. like two hours to do something. Mm-hmm. There's no way you're getting an attorney to write a contract that fast.
1: Right. Right. right.
0: So, I mean, th- you know, there, there, there's a lot to talk, ab- talk about here. And I just, uh, this whole thing that, that gets brought up, it's mind-blowing to me. This is the CEO of a publicly traded company that owns real estate brokerages saying this. Right. Mm. I mean, can you imagine if wow. we, like, if we worked at that company, I would not be happy right now.
1: Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd be looking elsewhere. <laughs> so maybe
0: we need to get some guests on from one of these companies. So that, that would be a, a pretty interesting one to talk about. So the last piece here um, is that there's actually an agent from Pennsylvania that, um, that uh, the, his name's John Rainville. He said that MLSs could eliminate this confusion regarding commissions with a database of buyer agency contracts. This is interesting. So the real item the MLS need to do is have a database of buyer agency contracts that is searchable so real estate agents can see if a buyer is already under agreement, just like a property listing. I see no issues with fees being attributed to who is actually paying them. What do you think about that?
2: It sounds confusing. Um, So wait, so he's saying that you would... You can, Every time that you work with somebody, you get them under your buyer agency contract. Then that gets uploaded to
0: a database,
3: a
2: database that then who is searching to look at this? The seller? real Realtors. Other realtors. So
0: okay. Eric and, and Sarah go sign a contract with Stacy. And now they search her name with like, I'm matching an email address. Like I think of our database there's probably like a smart component to it. And they see they're under contract with Stacy. And then they can attribute the fees that way.
1: Ooh. Who's going to manage that database? (laughs) That sounds
0: like a disaster to me. It does. It does. I I like the idea, though, because think about the think about the buyers that, you know, you're under a listing contract. That's public knowledge. It's very Mm -hmm. clear how to do that. And this is a really good point that gets brought up here. I think about the buyers that call our office and say, oh, hey, can I go see this home? My agent's not available. Or, oh, hey, can I go see this home? And they don't even mention to you they have an agent, even when we ask them if they have an agent. And then you go to write an offer after you did all this work oh, by the way, I signed a buyer agency contract with somebody. They're going to be the ones representing me. I mean, th- that has some value I, I and, and in a certain level because I found that people don't value contracts as much as they used to. I mean, how many times do you see a consumer say, oh, we're just going to kill the deal and there's no basis to do it? Or right. mm-hmm. I went out of the agreement, even though it's a timed term. And mm-hmm. this isn't just real estate contracts. This is everything.
2: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: So do you see any value in that to kind of protect this interest so we know who's actually being represented?
1: I see value in it, as it pertaining to that. Um, I just don't see. I mean, it it just would be a huge undertaking, and I think that it would add more confusion, um, unless things can be updated constantly in real time. And I, I don't know. I just well, I <laughs> s- mean, it seems too huge.
2: I'm still confused. How, so, even if you were to go in and search and see that they're under contract with somebody how how are they saying that's going to disperse? How the then then, then, then being... there's a
0: contractual agreement to pay. I mean, because the oh. buyer agency contract says if this person buys a home, no matter what. So okay. it, it lists if gotcha. they buy it for sale by owner, if they buy a home on the MLS, they buy a home that's off market. All those things are are, are implied there. And there's okay. actually a rate that's agreed to. So it's the identical. It's identical to a listing contract in, in terms of. OK, and it's it's an employment contract is right. what it is at a basic level. OK. You're saying I no like go. It. I'm, I'm yeah. hearing no um, go on this. Okay, I'm
1: saying no go on that.
0: All right. So before we wrap up here, what what do you think this means for the the market for buyers and sellers? Is this something they're going to have to be aware of moving forward? Do you think buyers are going to have to be more aware of having to pay a fee in some cases? Um, I mean, do, do sellers need to just be? Are are they ready to eliminate buyers agents? Where do you see this going from here?
2: I think buyers will come in the same way buyers always come in because like half the time, even with it being as is. People don't know whether or not they're they're. I mean, there's quite a few buyers that I've worked with where when I've told them, no, the commission is coming through the, you know, the seller side, they're like, oh, my gosh. And they had they had no idea. Mm-hmm. So I think it would just be um, one hour end having to prep for what it looks like and how that that could change things and how to best inform our clients.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, th- some buyers have no clue uh, mm-hmm. when they're coming. They just want the house. You know, they're, oh, can I see this house? And and they might not have any idea how that whole operation works. So it definitely is up to us to stay on top of everything. Uh, for sellers, I think um, they really have to consider how they're going to sell their home and what's important to them and understand the value of the buyer's agent uh, and understand that you could you know, potentially be opening yourself up to, to more hassle, not only if you're considering a for sale by owner, but if you're, you know, not going to offer any kind of buyer agent compensation, I think uh, it's just a lot for the seller to consider and how much they're willing to take on as far as marketing, uh, vetting the buyers, going through the contracts, potentially hiring the own attorney when they could just hire, you know, a listing agent but i think they really have to consider sellers have to consider heavily how they want to list their home
0: so here here's my prediction and then we'll take a quick break here and we're going to come back and talk about cryptocurrency and real estate this is quite the quite the show here that we got um what i know is this there are people out there they don't want to deal with it they don't want to deal with selling their home they want to delegate it they want to trust somebody to do it the same thing those are the same people that when they have like a legal issue come up they call their mm-hmm. attorney and they say Hey, Mr. Attorney, handle this. Let me know when something's resolved, right? Same people when they file their taxes, they give all their stuff to their account and they say, call me when it's done. Mm -hmm. And there's the people that do TurboTax and (laughs) they go to LegalZoom. And, you know, those are the folks that are probably going to be, you know, trying to save money on the transaction. A lot of times I find those are the folks that end up losing in the transaction where they miss out on a house they want or they leave money on the table, which is is a big issue right now. So for the the people that value professional services, I don't see the I don't see the market changing at all. They're going to be happy to pay everybody involved as long as they get what they want and it's easy for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's a stressful transaction or they're pinching pennies or something like that, those are the folks that might say, hey, you know what? I'm not offering out a buyer agent commission. I'm, I'm not doing that. And that's the same people that are always going to do it. And when the market changes and when I say the market changes, inventory rises, you're going to see those folks come back to the other side and engage with realtors a little more because it's happened throughout mm-hmm. time. And I don't see that trend changing because. We all know you could be the smartest person out there and I know anything about real estate.
1: Right. Absolutely.
0: So we're going to leave it there. We're going to do it. We're going to take a quick break. We're coming back. We have Eric Crumbaker from CG Realtors in California. He's also a crypto expert and investor. And we're going to talk about how crypto and real estate might have like a crash course ahead of them here. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. The real estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX at 610 692 6976 or visit our website tomtool.com to connect and take advantage of these market conditions. Buying a home or already own one, we can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. All right. All right. We are back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacey Mitchell. She's Sarah Timon. We've got the two-man camera crew, Gabe and Nick, making it happen. We've got a live stream going on as well. We're on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. And we are about to welcome on Eric Crumbaker with CG Realtors and a crypto expert and investor. And before we have him come on again, we all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. Eric, can we hear you, man? Are Are you on the line here? There he is. Hey, hey. I'm here. Can you guys hear me? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we can hear you great. So we've got, uh, we can't see you. We're on the radio here, but we, people still listen to that in Pennsylvania. I know you're out in California. So uh, Eric, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, um, your kind of your background in real estate, your background investing in crypto, and then uh, there, there's, some, there's a lot of stuff we want to unpack with you here over the next half hour or so.
3: Perfect. Perfect. How's it going? How's My it going? Eric Crumbaker. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm located in Claremont, in California, California, California. Southern California, if anyone doesn't really where know where that's at. Uh, I've <laughs> been in real estate a little over a decade. Uh, which I'm, uh, proud, which I'm of. proud of. And uh, yeah, I've been, been in crypto since about 2013. Since about
0: 2013. So, uh, so uh, I've been, been, been in crypto and well in real estate, to be honest. Wow. So, I mean, there's so much to unpack with this because, you know, my view is that this has been such a hot topic and I know we've talked about it off air. So I I guess the first question we have is, you know, for someone who doesn't understand crypto, doesn't understand NFTs, maybe just give the kind of quick minute or two breakdown. I read all the research, but I I imagine a lot of people in the audience don't know. And then we can kind of talk about how this might be in play for the real estate space as we as we move ahead here in 2022 and and forward.
3: So that's a very, so, broad, that's question. A very broad question. Uh, uh, so,
0: uh, it was so. meant to be broad.
3: Okay, perfect. Uh, okay, perfect. Well, there's a difference uh, between well, a crypto- difference cryptocurrency and NFTs. And for anyone and who's, and who's not for anyone who's familiar not with, what is, with what crypto is, or, is, NFTs, are, or, 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 or NFTs are, or DeFi, I would just. I would urge just people to urge people research, to research these topics, these topics, and just like and going to the just gym like or anything else. Or anything else. Yeah, as you go down the rabbit hole, you learn more and more. Uh, but to distinguish, uh, but to the, distinguish the two the, between the NFTs and between, between, in cryptocurrency. In they're vastly They're different. vastly different. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, NFTs is NFTs a non fungible token, non-fungible token. And, and they are they a are a one. one of one. So similar to a baseball card. You have a baseball card. I have card. the I of have the, the, one of a thousand. One of a thousand. But that particular but their card, is, card one one. is one of one cryptocurrency is a little it. more broad so i could so own a, bitcoin, could own a sell bitcoin, bitcoin sell a bitcoin you wouldn't know if it was, mine prior. If it was mine prior and that's
0: the difference between an NFT between and, and, and cryptocurrency got it so and and i and the point is to kind of educate here p- people here pretty quickly so I, I think that you know the big question i have is that i mean there was an article that dropped it was actually today and i think this is a good place to start is that um, it was on uh, MarketWatch, and they talked about that many Americans are using their, um, their they, they call them tendies, maybe you know what that means, uh, to tap into the American dream, and it doesn't look like things are stopping where people are actually using crypto to fund purchases, and they're, uh, they're, they're relying on their earnings to do that, to come up with like a down payment, and it, it's a pretty complicated process. So if someone's sitting on X amount of cryptocurrency, is that something that they, they cash that in? Are they going to get taxed on that? Like, how do you see this all kind of kind of playing out here? Because it looks like more and more people have invested in crypto instead of the traditional like stocks, bonds, real estate, those sort of you know bank assets that a lot of us are more familiar with and used to.
3: Yeah, it's a really good yeah, question. And actually, you, you went for a, you went deep, for a question deep question deep right question. off the bat. Um when it comes to the tax equation, when it comes to cryptocurrency, a lot of that's still up in the air. Uh, the way they are distinguish it right now is you get taxed on your purchase, you get taxed on your sell. Uh, and that's why between us, a lot of cryptocurrency is being... Holdled, and that's a term that a lot of people are in cryptocurrency use, they're just saving the cryptocurrency. They're not using it as a fiat or a, uh, a mean of uh, sell. There are people who do, but for the majority, until in the United States, until we figure out our tax code and how they view cryptocurrency, a lot of people right now are just holding it uh, as it comes into real estate. That's a completely different topic. And a lot of people right now are trying to purchase property for real real estate. Uh, the reason I say real real estate is because there's also uh, real estate that you can purchase inside of Decentraland in Sandbox, which is a virtual reality. It, am, am I confusing anyone yet?
0: How you ladies doing so far? Are you following all this?
1: So the I heard that there was... Uh, a huge real estate purchase in the metaverse recently or a sale. So I do understand. Yes. Thanks.
3: (laughs) Okay. Yes. Um, You know, it's crazy. I was, I just Tom tool over a a video clip yesterday from CNBC and it was uh, a a stat from sandbox, which is an artificial intelligence world. And they were selling islands for $15,000 a piece in 2021. They sold a hundred islands and currently those islands are reselling for three hundred thousand dollars. Wow. so there, there's a huge land grab going on in this virtual reality of real estate uh but how this transitions into real estate in the physical world that is just something that's still being figured out there are transactions that are being done between bitcoin and ethereum and transacting a real estate deal uh, there aren't a lot of brokers who support this yet only because of the tax code um, and that's why a lot of people who are really deep in cryptocurrency are moving out of the United States to more of a Puerto Rico uh, place because that's where the tax code's different and they're able to pull their money out and not be leveraged.
0: Do you see that? I mean, do you see this happening more and more? Because uh, th- th- this is obviously like the hot investing space right now, and and like anything else, I think the early adopters are going to do do well, right? I mean, you look at what, you know what Bitcoin was. There was a tweet you sent me of some guy saying, "I'm glad I got out of Bitcoin like 10 years ago," and he would have made like millions of dollars. Um, so, do you see like that ever changing? I mean, you're, you're deep in this space because. This is where a lot of people are parking their money right now. You know, selling a stock, you get cash right away. And and there's actually the government does make it more favorable sometimes with some like trusts and different things. Crypto really hasn't seen that yet.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, it's also a concern of mine as well in the ecosystem because there's a lot of money being poured in. And there are like anything that starts off new. There's fraudulent places to go to. There's hackers. And a lot of people who come in with money, they don't know where to put their money or exactly where to look, and they can be taken advantage of very easily. So I, I do think there is a permanent place for cryptocurrency. I wouldn't be invested be like I am like if like there I wasn't. Am. And I do think, like you say, there's a lot of money being poured in through in institutional buyers mm-hmm. and that really does solidify where this movement is going. I know if you were just to get into real estate, you don't really have a conviction or an understanding or what's the term I'm looking for confidence to put your money and watch it grow because you don't really know how it works and getting involved and doing the research, finding the right brokers to help you out, is going to be imperative for people who do want to park their money into a crypto, crypto. ecosystem. But, but I do, Tom, me, Tom, because I do because think this is our future. Actually, let me reframe that. me reframe I know this is our future. And, and for, example, for example, how this can, how this co- can solve problems, solve is, problems is, let's just go back to the, go real back the real estate transaction. transaction. I mean, as I we mean, all as know, the transaction is convoluted, convoluted. And, and you have, you have titles talking to Astro, talking to the sales reps, talking to rep, admin, uh, uh using four using different, four different platforms. platforms, Uh you're using paper you're still, using paper you're, still. Sending, you're your, sending your email, your, your, emailing emailing your, fax, your faxing. Your faxing. Um, <laughs> so, so what crypto does, crypto does to, to mitigate, mitigate all this is it can take the entire transaction and put it onto one smart contract where everyone has clear communication on where this deal is in this timeline that has not been created yet and it's been working on so it has to solve a problem for it to to be bigger and be adopted and that's just one of a thousand problems that cryptocurrency is solving
0: so, so talk a little bit about what a smart contract is i mean i i, I mean i i've literally just Googled it when you said it. And uh, so like it, it looks like it's something that's like, it, it self-execute uh, because it's written in the lines of code. W- what does that mean for the consumer? Or could you explain that more in uh, like, like a fourth grader would understand because that's where I'm at with this.
3: Yeah, it's a fancy term. <laughs> uh, a smart contract doesn't mean anything smarter than anything else. It's just a term that they devised for something to be written on a blockchain. Got so it. most... Most smart contracts are written on an Ethereum blockchain because it's a decentralized market.
0: Got it. Got it. Okay. So, and and I know the ladies have a couple of questions here. They can jump in in a second. Um, With, you know, one of the things I've heard, I was listening to a Chris Smith podcast and he talked about, uh, you mentioned NFTs, which are like one of one, and that some of these, and right now this would be illegal to do, but if homes were sold as NFTs, like where they you know, the, the, there's, a, there's an interest that's paid to the person who sells it originally. Think of like Michael Jordan's home, right? Like very unique, very specific. You probably have a lot more of those. Do, do you see any, anything in the future when it comes to NFTs being sold as properties or that, that even being legal right now? Because I know in Pennsylvania that wouldn't be the case. Uh, because I, I know that I, I've gotten this question more the past three months than I've ever even even heard before. Is that how do you, how do you attach an NFT to a home sale?
3: So I think maybe what the confusion might be is is tying the NFT to the physical physical asset. So an NFT would be a virtual token of or a piece of art of the virtual home. So in our reality, it's a rendering of the front of the house or a walkthrough of the home. Because you could have virtual NFTs where you're walking through an NFT kind of like if you're in the home like uh, a Mataport, so to speak uh the problem and concern I have with nfts because I'll be honest with you this is why I think uh, there's concerns in the market because there are nfts and there's things being created everywhere the problem with nfts tying to a physical asset is you can create numerous nfts of one asset so for example Tom you own a home I can create an nft off the ethereum blockchain with this beautiful rendering of your home built by an artist that i had create the nft and then you can go and get another artist and have him create another nft of the same house that i just had another artist do so i to this day have a concern with nfts in real estate only thing that i can see possible is kind of like when a closing happens you can get a, a painting of someone's house and you can get, deliver that as a package. <laughs> well, get an NFT created, which is one of one. And you can deliver that to them as a closing gift, but okay. as, as a, a form of an asset that can take on, take on in the future and gain value. I just don't see it yet.
0: Well, and I, I think, I think where we're going with this is that, um, it's, it's almost like it has to be a really unique property. It can't be like the same home in the subdivision that everybody else has, but they actually like attach that to title and, and it becomes, it, it's non fungible when it attaches. And I th- it's a little different. It's more the theory behind it, but you know, I, I don't know that that would be legal right now. The way title insurance gets conveyed, you have to have that good and marketable interest in the property. So, you know, that that's something that I've heard people talk about or ask how they can do like a waterfront property, right? Like same, same kind of thing. It's gotta be pretty unique. Um, but you're, you you're basically saying, I don't see it happening or you got some concerns is what I'm, what I'm hearing you say.
3: I see it more as a gift than I do as an asset. Got it. Okay.
2: Like, what do you do with it? Once you have it? <laughs> that's that's
3: so, like I mean, know, it? It, it, exactly, exactly. So, so for example, like when I, what, when I, People are people are. So when I say you so, look at it, so for example, you can go onto Samsung.com right now, and they have a new type of TV that sits on your wall. It looks identical to a piece of art. You couldn't even tell. It's this thin, and you can display your NFTs. You can display your art. So when you have a board ape or NFT of your past homes that you purchased. Let's say, you know, like you said, you said, the waterfront home, you're proud of it, but you sold it, but you're, you know, 60 years old and you want to own it. You could have your NFT displayed on one of your walls in one of your rooms as a bragging, so to speak. You know, I own that home. And then maybe in the future, like you said, you can tie a particular home through title to only one NFT designer. And if the home does sell and they choose to sell the NFT with the home, there could be an asset devised off that.
0: Mm. Does that make more sense? It's basically a piece of art is what we're talking. And and it's unique. It can't be unique. Well, think I I mean, I I equate this to art, Eric. And and if, you know, if I'm wrong, please tell me, but it's like when they have to get someone to like come in and authenticate the painting and make sure the painting's real and it's done by the artist. This is an easier way to do it because of the, uh, because of the unique, uh, um, the, the, the digital asset accompanying it.
3: Yeah, it's tied to the the creator or the seller. And another thing about NFTs, just so you guys know, is let's say Tom owns the NFT and then Sarah owns the NST after and then Stacy owns it after her and then I own it, number four, all four of you would get paid on that transaction for every sell. Yep. It, it never disappears. Uh, and, and another thing is when it comes to the art is... Like Kings of Leon, they're creating an NFT for their music uh, sector, and how they're doing it is: when you buy the NFT, you purchase their album, and what they can do with the NFT is they can allow a certain amount of people who might have purchased purchased it first, they get fr- they get you know front row tickets to three of their shows. So you can tie these NFTs to a number of different things.
0: Well, and there's a lot of communities based around those, right? Like Gary Vaynerchuk's doing the same thing, where he has a, a specific, and he's probably had one of the more popular ones that have, that have taken off. We've seen, I mean, I know you and I have talked that we've seen some kind of crash and not do well, but he has like a, a conference at Minnesota Viking Stadium, US Bank Field, the next three years. If you own one of those NFTs that he sold, then you have automatic access. That's the only way to get in. And do you, you yep. see more and more? It's like a community aspect too.
2: And in I do NFC, see more and something- more other than just an image it, an nft can be anything a digital that is file correct file. Digital file. okay
0: got it got multiple, it multiple case
3: scenario. scenario
0: does that make more sense i know we're trying to educate yes. everyone here this is uh this is like a next this is probably the most complicated conversation <laughs> we've had it's a lot so i'm, I'm gonna lot. switch gears um i got one other one question for you here so uh, last year in 2021 the end of 2021 the city of Miami proposed allowing people to pay property taxes with cryptocurrency. And then shortly after that, there was a penthouse that sold to an anonymous buyer for $28 million paid in crypto. What do you think about all this? Is this gonna, are we going to see more of this stuff?
3: 100%. As it gets more adopted. You know, at the end of the day, crypto is only 13 years old. We just celebrated the 13th birthday last week of all of cryptocurrency it's so relatively new and the wealthy are diving into it you look at actors you look at celebrities you look at hedge funds you look at billionaires and millionaires they're all allocating a portion of their portfolios into some type of cryptocurrency because at the end of the day you don't want to be last at the party even if you don't know what type of party it's going to be
0: so so what do you, you you've been doing this for a while so what i mean you're Someone comes to you and say, Eric, I want to invest in crypto or I want to diversify my portfolio. What what kind of advice do you have for them? So, Eric is not an
3: investor, by
0: the way. He's not a financial investor. Let's just be very clear. He invests in crypto, but is not certified to do this just so we don't get sued later.
3: (laughs) None of what I say is financial advice. Yes.
0: There we go. (laughs) I like it
3: uh i usually uh, i'm very simple yeah. when it comes to cryptocurrency because i have parents and i have and relatives I have who don't really understand what i'm talking about as, talk well. about as well so if so i'm having I a first conversation a with anyone off the bat and the they have interest theory. into this world yeah. i tell them the first two things they need to do is just buy bitcoin and ethereum and then from there you just do a little bit of research at what you purchased and then you're going to go down a rabbit hole of figuring out what you, you yep. just purchased, what a decentralized uh, environment is, what NFTs are, and you're going to get just more entrenched and you're going to learn.
0: Got it. So, I mean, so how, how does someone go about learning more? I mean, it's a lot of like research and, and all that. I mean, are there any I know you've told me about like some different apps that you recommend or, or different things like where, where would you where would you start if you want to learn more about this and you kind of kind of get up to stuff here because I mean what I see happening is this um and and you look at the Staples center in LA right it's not the Staples center anymore it's the crypto.com center the philadelphia 76ers used to be sponsored by stubhub they're now sponsored by crypto.com it's right on their jerseys matt damon is doing crypto.com commercials so i mean this this is
1: Christmas is in boxing yeah, yeah. I, I mean
0: it's boxing yeah, stacy's a huge boxing fan apparently <laughs> i did not know that so So we're seeing this come mainstream. And I still I mean, so people still don't understand how to like learn more about it. So knowing what you know now, where, where would you start to try to understand if this is something you want to get into, if you want to look at this as an investment strategy or see how it's going to translate into real estate? Well,
3: let me ask you guys a question. What do you guys know about gold?
1: Ladies, uh, it used to be a, a very secure place to that people would uh, they would purchase gold, um, for stability, you know, to have um part of their retirement fund. So they would purchase gold.
3: That's correct. You That's probably good. know as much about gold as I do. Right.
1: I don't know how is, much
3: <laughs> in all reality, I don't know a lot about gold, but how that transitions into. Bitcoin is a lot of people don't know about Bitcoin, but they still purchase gold and they still purchase Bitcoin. You, I think you just kind of get into the asset. And then from there, you kind of understand what the asset is because a lot of people just buy gold and they don't know why they're buying gold. But in our reality, gold serves a huge purpose in our world. Your, your cell phones, your jewelry, you know, electricity, uh, infrastructure, Almost everything that we use uses some type of gold. But a lot of people don't know that. That's why people invest.
1: I actually met a young gentleman who was helping me set up my cell phone. And um, it was interesting because he was about 23 years old. And he was telling me that, because he knew I was in real estate. And he was telling me that he um, purchased a coin, some odd coin. Anyway, he made about $19,000 on it. And he was going to just let it sit there and ride a little bit because he wanted to then liquidate it to buy a house. So (laughs) I think it's becoming more um, commonplace, especially with the younger people. They're very comfortable with it. They're comfortable with the electronics. Um, And they see it as an avenue for them to be able to make money uh, to use for other things, for them to advance.
3: That is 100% correct. Correct. Uh, I think Uh, that thought is what what, all the millennials and this new younger younger generation generation. uh, views cryptocurrency. Um, And really quickly to backtrack on Tom, where to find the education. This is going to trip everyone out. Twitter is what I use for a lot of my information on cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, Ethereum. The ecosystems behind cryptocurrencies is what pushes each token or each coin and that's what gets the coin more relevant within the community.
0: Interesting, got it. And so, and talk talk about like a wallet and like all that stuff too, because I think people don't realize you need to, like if you can't just go buy a Bitcoin like tomorrow. There's a whole process here. So if you wanted to go buy cryptocurrency, what's the what's the process? What would you do?
3: You can buy it right now. You guys literally can buy cryptocurrency right now. You could download an app. And you could probably purchase a full Bitcoin in a matter of twenty five minutes.
2: So uh, I kind numerous... of miss oh. the the Bitcoin like time period for when you should go in and like you know all these people that like made money off of it and yada yada. Are you saying it's still a good thing to go get right now?
3: Currently, right now, especially at it trading at about forty thousand dollars i always think bitcoin's a good investment i am in the camp that i feel we're so new into this if you i don't have the statistics uh and i i'm sorry i didn't bring them up but the amount of users that are in cryptocurrency is so small versus the population of the world it's only going to get more adopted and bitcoin in my opinion is cheap ethereum is cheap i think. All the coins across the board, if they have a good utility, are really cheap. Only because there's not a lot of people actually using it. A lot of people are just talking about it.
0: So when you say good utility, I I read the article you sent. I understand what that means. Can you explain it for the listeners? Because, I I mean, most people, they've heard of Bitcoin because of the Jim Cramer story that he paid off his house with it last year. Ethereum a little bit because I think that's obviously one of the more popular ones, especially with a lot of these NFTs. But (laughs) past that... Um, You know, I I don't think a lot of people really understand. So what what does utility mean? So utility is
3: just like a form of currency. It serves a purpose. So a a non-utility token is what everyone talks about. You have uh, the Dogecoin, the Shibu Inu, um, all these coins that are just mean coins that are designed off an animal of some sort. Those don't serve a purpose. You can't do anything except collect those. And as they rise in value, because more people buy in on that trend, then they sell. Um, I I know there are some talks about Elon Musk allowing you to buy a Tesla with Dogecoin. None of that has ever come to fruition. A, A good utility coin, for example... I'm going to use uh, Voyager, uh, for example. They actually, you can download. They're like Coinbase, Coinbase, but it's its own version. It's called Voyager. Voyager. And you can buy their native token. token. And the utility behind this token is the more tokens I have, I earn more interest on the other coins that I have on the platform. So if I own Bitcoin or if I own Ethereum and I own like 500 Voyager coins... I will get a higher interest holding Bitcoin on that platform. And what crypto and these new um, platforms are doing to edge people off of uh, regular banks is that they're offering higher interest that your banks are offering you, tying that to a debit card. So your bank will maybe offer you 2%, Voyager will offer you 12
0: Wow, are you are you seeing a lot of users increase because of that interest rate offer? You
3: know, it's funny. They uh, Voyager's a new company. Um, they're only one year old. That's why I am tied in with them. I'm a, I'm one of their first investors. And they went from forty three thousand users last December to one point three million last wow. week. Last week,
0: big delta there, man. That's that's interesting. So. We got, there, what do we got? We got two minutes left here. So before we tell everyone where to find you, how to connect with you, Eric, what Eric, any, anything else you have that you want to share regarding cryptocurrency, real estate, or just, just what people should know about? Because I hear so many people talk like they know what's going on in crypto, and you're one of the few people I know that does. So and, and, any, any parting shots here before we wrap up? The honest
3: truth of cryptocurrency, truth of cryptocurrency the longer you're in, the it, longer you're in the it, it, the easier it, the it is, easier. like anything in this world. Most people are in this new cryptocurrency trend started in 2020 and they can't stomach the crazy ups and downs. But if you've been in it since 2013, this is all normal. But it doesn't act like regular equities or stocks, it's more volatile. But if you look at the lifespan at a 30,000 view, it's all worth it.
0: Love it. So where can people find you, Eric? I mean, this is, this is very informative. I learned a lot. I've got all these mental notes here I'm going to be jotting down to try to understand all this. So where can people find you and where can they follow you?
3: You can find me on Instagram. I'm very easy. I don't have any crazy names. It's Eric Crumbaker with a C, Crumbaker. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and that's about it.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, my friend. We really appreciate it. This was one of the more informative segments we've had on the history of the show. We're also a young show, much like Voyager. Less than a year, but we're, we're, we're getting there. So thanks for coming on, man. I'll let Nick kind of take it from here. And this is a wrap this week for Tooltime Real Estate Radio. If you got a question, email us. It's info at TooltimeRadio.com. You want to follow Sarah. She's on Instagram at ty underscore ty time, T Y underscore T Y T I M E. You can follow Stacy at the number two, Mitch code two, M I T C H C O. You can follow me at Tom Tool, three R D, at Tom Tool the third, all on Instagram. Again, we work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. And you can follow the show live every week on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. This is WWDB 860 AM.